If you're just joining with us today, I see some new faces. We do have a gift for you in the welcome desk. We'd, at the welcome desk, we'd love to give you one. If you uh, got a bulletin, hopefully you did, you tear that piece out in the back. If you bring that to them, we'd love to give you a coffee cup with some candy in it and stuff like that. Uh, just, to, just to be a blessing to you. Um, we're glad you're here. Pioneer Christian Fellowship is all about loving God and loving people. We're trying our best to do those things. Amen. And one of the things that we do here, if you're new to this church, is um, we are excited about God and the Word of God and what God's doing on the earth. So when, when, when I get into this sermon series today, um, it's really easy for us to, some, some of what I'm going to give you is a little heavy. I'm going to be honest, it's heavy. And there, there's, a, there's a moment where you may want to check out, and there's a moment where you may want to just nudge the person next to you because you think it's for them. But <laughs> some of you guys are like, man, I had to switch sides on which side I was sitting next to my wife because my ribs were all bruised. Um, but we believe God's doing great things, so keep that in mind. Um, if you're just joining us, we've been in this series called The Home for Your Heart, and we've been looking at why it's so incredibly vital and important to establish a relationship with the Father. If you're new to church, the Father, Father God, Father Son, Father Holy Ghost, right? So we, we believe that the, there, is a, there is a genuine, supernatural relationship that is through Jesus that gets us to the Father. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but through me. And what we, we've been looking at this idea because Jesus said at one point, listen, I, I'm coming to prepare a place for you. I have many rooms for you in my Father's house. And then we've been looking at the prodigal son. If you know that story, of, if you don't, there's a guy who went crazy, living la vida loca, as I say. He told his dad, give me all your money, you're dead to me, I'm going to go live out in the and do whatever I want to do. Well, after a short time, he came to his senses because he was, in a, he was like sleeping with pigs. And he went back. To, he said, maybe I, could just, maybe I could just be a servant in my father's house. Maybe if I just go back there, he'll let me in as just a servant. And to his surprise, and I'm sure the surprise of the listeners, when Jesus was giving this parable, the father saw him coming and ran to him. And welcomed him back into the home. And he wasn't a slave. He wasn't an orphan. He was a son. Even though he had screwed up, amen, come on. Even though he had screwed up, even though he had messed up, the father's arms were wide open for him. And as you also know, there was an older brother who stayed in the home and didn't do anything wrong. Well, we talked about that. It's like the Mary Poppins. Thinks she does everything right. Well, unfortunately, he also kind of looked at himself not as a son, but as a slave. It was all about works. And he wasn't excited about the, the younger son coming home. We'll get to that in a minute. But what we want to do is what we've been, or what we have been doing, rather, is been highlighting these incredible benefits of being in the father's home. Being at home with dad. See, when you're at home with father, you are not an orphan. And you're not a slave. You are a son and a daughter of God. And because of that, it brings us security. God brings security. You know what that's like. I, I had this, I don't know about you, but I had this dog growing up, and he was just a little dog, like a little Sheltie, nothing big. But I, there was a comfort and a security when he was with me in the woods at night. 
And when he, and listen, could he do anything? No, I mean, literally nothing. I think literally like the last four years of his life, he was blind in one eye and like all crazy. It was, it, but there was a security there. And so much more is the security we find in God when we're in his home. The dad is in charge. The dad is there and he helps out the insecurities that we all have. We all have. In case anybody didn't know, you are insecure in some way, shape, or form of your life. If you haven't, let me meet you because you're the second coming of Christ. Um, you, are, you are insecure. We're insecure. And he brings us security. And also he, bring, he provides for us. We talked about that last week. He provides. Jehovah Jireh is my provider, right? He comes like, like he, he, he covers all of your needs like a perfect father. Maybe not all the needs you want. <laughs> Those are called wants, not needs. I learned that when I took a financial class. Didn't know there was a difference until I took that class. Well, there's a difference between wants and needs. I ha it took me a while. My wife really helped me through that. I found out that the snowmobile was not a need. It was a want. So we got rid of the snowmobile. Oh, praise the Lord, Dave Ramsey. Um, <laughs> but this morning, I want to talk to you about another benefit of being in the, in the house of the Father, and it's family. Family. My, my, my in-laws uh, live down in Myrtle Beach, and if you don't know this, my, mother, or my, wife, <laughs> my wife and my three daughters went down to Myrtle Beach on Monday. And I'm going to be honest, those first couple days, man, those first couple of days, I'm like walking around with underpants on and nobody's bothering me. <laughs> I turn on the action TV, you know, I got an action flick on and I blast it as loud as I can. I'm eating Doritos and all the other food that my wife made for me and things are good. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's telling me that they can't find X, Y, and Z. Nobody's asking me to wipe them. It is a wonderful, it was a wonderful couple of days. I got some good sleep. I mean, I've been getting the best sleep of my life. I've been sleeping so, so good. I got projects done. I played guitar. It was amazing. But after a couple of days, after a couple of days, I found myself, well, missing my family. I felt that feeling of being alone and not having the chaos. You know what I mean, the chaos when you come into a house. When you, you know, you, you know, you come home from work and you're just hoping to just kind of settle in and relax for a little bit and all of your children and your spouse are fighting and everybody's, ah, I miss that. I miss the chaos. I miss it. I do. I miss the stories. I miss the fighting. I miss it. Why? Because I'm a dad. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew 12? We're going to be spending a lot of our time in this, and just, uh, just while you're turning there, you might want to just, just remind yourself that we're, this, what I'm about to read is also in Luke 8 and in Mark chapter 3, but this is coming from Matthew 12, verse 46 through 50. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. 46, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Verse 48, he says, he replied to him, 
who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. I want to start out this morning by just kind of breaking this down and bringing some more context to it. For starters, in verse 46, we see the place that Jesus is at. He is a, he's, if you don't know, he's in a, he's in this town called Capernaum. He is, there's many people outside and he's a little busy. Uh, this crowd that you read of in verse 46, this crowd, some people say, was about 5,000 men. But others could say it could be even more. It could be ten to 15,000 or even more if you add in women and children. So this is a very large crowd. And also, um, it's mentioned, as I said, in uh, Luke 8. It says there, it says, His mothers and his brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd in Luke 8, 19. They were unable to get to Jesus, that's how many people were there. Pastor, and I, Pastor Jeff and I were just talking the other day of why we don't really like Kingdom Bound. I know some of you guys love it. Yeah, it's awesome. But it's overwhelming for some of us with that many people sometimes. It's like, I don't like going to the Erie County Fair because there's way too many people. It's like, I, I don't want to wait for literally 20 minutes to get a whatever, it's like a deep fried hot dog or whatever they have. I don't know. Twinkies and they put stuff in whatever. I don't want to do that. But that you just imagine that kind of crowd. That's the kind of crowd that Jesus' mom and brothers couldn't even get to him. So we see this also, as I mentioned, in the in the book of Mark in chapter three, which brings even more context to this verse I read. In Mark 3, 20 through 21, it says that Jesus entered a house and again the crowd gathered. So we see the get the crowd there, and his disciples were not even able to eat because the crowd was so massive and the ministry was so crazy they weren't even able to eat but in verse 21 it says when his family heard about this they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind now i don't know if there's any mama bears in this house we got any mama bears in this house? Come on. Come on. If you are a mama bear, point to the one that is the mama bear right now. And I can just imagine for some of you, you ain't letting your baby not eat. You hear your baby ain't eating. There might be a grown man. But some of you mama bears, uh, -uh, not going to happen. And I just like to picture myself into what this looked like. I can just picture Mary, you know, Jesus' mom sitting in a chair, hanging out. And all of a sudden, James, the brother of Jesus, comes in. It's like, mom, you're never going to get this. Jesus is preaching and teaching. She's probably like, okay, yep, that's what he does. Hello. And he's like, so much, mom? So much? He's not even eating. And then she goes, What? What? Not my baby. No, not my baby. You know what, James? Get in the kitchen. Get out the Wonder Bread and the peanut butter and jelly. We're going to make him a PB&J. We're going to make one for all of his little buddies that he's got too. So make a bunch of them and cut them into little triangles and take off all of the, all of the crust off them. My baby's going to eat. So they, they, you know, they did what anybody else would do in that circumstance. They're, they're hearing about this. They got something to say. But I think they also came to him because 
they had probably, I assume anyway, that they had heard that Jesus was kind of riling some stuff up with the Pharisees. I mean, in this context, we're reading that the Pharisees are already planning to kill him. So like a real mom, an earthly mom, she would do what any other family member would do. She would stage this in intervention to try to get her son to get help. We got to help him. Remember, the, in, in Mark, it says they had to take charge of him, of God, right? <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody here that was raised in Catholicism and you believe that Mary is God. She's not. Promise you. She's not part of the Trinity. She is not divine. I am telling you right now, she was a human being just like you and I. She was chosen to do something incredible for God, but she was sinful just like we are. Hello? And she makes bad decisions, but that's okay. That's all right. It, it, it all comes together. God, can, God has patience for this. So her and, and Jesus' brothers, they go to send word, because they, they probably go to figure it out and realize there's no way we can get through this crowd. So I don't know how they sent word. I have no idea how they did that, but they didn't have access to him. And when the word comes to Jesus, yeah, no cell phones, right? When the word comes to Jesus, he doesn't just say what they're probably thinking he's going to say. Moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? Once I tell him what I'm thinking, he's going to listen to me. I, nobody else can talk to him like mama can, right? Word comes to him, and he doesn't say, everybody stop. Let's stop the miracles, stop the preaching, because my mom's here. <laughs> She's got my Lunchables with, for me, my juice box. I got to stop everything. I'm sure that's how she was thinking. At least he can eat, you know? We're going to cease the miracles. It's all right. No, this is what he said as we read in 48 of Matthew 12. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. A little spoiler alert, just so you know that James does become a believer, a follower of his brother, but he doesn't see him in that way. And mom does too, but at this point, they hadn't. And why is Jesus saying this? Why is he, what is he trying to tell us? Obviously, he's not telling us that his disciples are literally his mother and brother and sisters. But why also is this exact moment in three of the Gospels? I think Jesus is making a point that in Christ, that through him, you have become adopted by the Father. And because you're adopted, somebody needs to hear this, you are part of the family. You become a brother. You become a sister. And get this, in this moment, Jesus is putting more weight and emphasis on his spiritual family than that of his natural family. And it comes with no shock, really, because Jesus says in comparison, in comparison, you should hate your family as much as you love me. He's, he's prior, what is he doing? He's prioritizing. He's saying, I come first always. And what he's saying here is, is that my spiritual family, because he's God, comes first always. But he points to them and he says, here's my family. 
Why? I think it's because in verse 50, he says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother, my family. Jesus' disciples, Jesus' disciples were doing the will of the Father. And remember, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, so they're following Jesus, so therefore they're doing it. But I think it even goes further than that. What is the will of the Father? What is it? And according to Jesus, we read about this in John chapter 6, verse 40. Jesus says, this is the will of the Father. You ready? He says, for the Father, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. To give more context to what he's saying, he's saying, you're not just going to see me. That's not the will of the Father, just to see Jesus. The will of the Father is that you believe in Jesus. That means you trust that he's got the right way. That means that you believe in the Lord because he only does what the Father is doing. So there's this belief, there's this trust that says, you are God incarnate right now. And because of that, and I trust in you, you are welcomed into the family of God and you are a son, you are a daughter, you are a brother or a sister to Christ. That is huge stuff there because, believe it or not, Mary and his siblings, like I said, they, they could see Jesus. They saw him. They looked at him. They, I, I believe he exists, right? They would say that. Yes, I believe Jesus, but they didn't believe in him. They saw him, but they didn't believe in him. Like I said, they do come to know the Lord, obviously. I mean, James, Jesus' brother, he's even stoned later in life just for believing in Christ and be honest, stoned. I'm not talking this. I'm talking like, just got to make sure, you know, there's a lot of Gen Zers in here. I want to make sure that we're all clear. Stoning like martyr, like kill. But these disciples that Jesus is pointing to, they're all in. They were all in doing whatever he asked because they knew he's doing the will of the Father and they wanted to be linked up with him. They're in the family. Jesus says, that's my family. So what I want to do this morning, this family of God is an enormous benefit to be in. It's an incredible benefit, even if you don't see it as that way ever, all the time. It is an incredible benefit, and I have just a few points here to point to you today through Scripture to show you what a benefit you really have of being in the Father's house. In the Father's house, if you are not, if you have not said yes to Jesus today, there's going to be an opportunity for you to do that. I want to make sure that we make that clear for everybody that you're welcome in the house of God. You're welcome to be a brother and sister. How about this? Number one, this is for people who are believers and not. Number one, you need family. You need family. There is no real benefit to being alone all the time. In fact, I'll even say this, I don't even think freedom is found in solitude. I think freedom is found in family through Christ. So many people tell me, you know, I'm good. I believe in God. I don't need the family. You're lying to yourself. Let me show you this. In Genesis 2, 
This is when God created the earth. If you remember from, from the old flannel graphs, right? On day one, He created. On day two, on day three. Every day He created something, He said this, it is good. It is good. The sun, the stars, the moon, like all that's good. The earth, it's good. The water, everything is good. Everything is good. And then He looks at this perfect man that He made, Adam. The perfect man, no sin, nothing wrong with him. The perfect man, and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. There's this perfect person, this perfect human being, this perfect guy that's done nothing wrong. He's doing the work for God. He's in paradise alone with God. And God says, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. When Adam's created, God says, it's not good for you to be alone. But I believe that somebody here this morning needs to hear, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be on your on your own things. And don't get me wrong, you might be a Christian, you might pray all the time, you might be in your Bible all the time, and worshiping all the time, and you're like, I don't need anything else! But you need family. It's not good for you to be alone. Your soul is longing to be a part of a family. Yes, you need God. Yes, absolutely you need God. But even he, listen, I'm not telling, I'm not prescribing you this. God has prescribed, he's given you the prescription for family. In the very get-go, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And if it was so good, then why did Jesus have all the disciples? Even God knew that. He needs people. He needs the, he needs the family. Um, let me keep going. Let me keep going. There's something I need to tell you this right now. Even God has never been alone. We serve a communal God. We serve God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as one. It's tricky, but just remember, it's as one. That's God. It is a communal God. It is a family of God. It is God is not just by himself. God is a part of a community. So if God is a part of a community, then why shouldn't we? And if it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, who had no sin, how much more important is it for us who have sin? How much more is it for us who have sin? We need community is not good for us to be alone. See, God, he creates man and he, he establishes this family. He gives them Eve and they screw up. We know how all that works. Now the family dynamic is, is somewhat kind of still intact, human form. But that family dynamic between the father and his children, us, has been severed. So what does he do? He sends Jesus, his own son, to come die on a cross so that you can be part of the family once again. Come on, this is... I'll just let that simmer for a second while I get my water. We need family. We've been created by a God of family. Therefore, we long for God and family. Yes, I need God, but I also need family. In every moment, in every valley, in every high top or low top, I need family. As a fish needs water, 
And as a seed needs soil, a Christian needs a spiritual family. We need it. Number two, family supports. One of the many benefits to being adopted in the house of the Lord is that family can support you. Way back in Ecclesiastes in 4.9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. I think we can all agree with that, right? Two are better than one. I mean, have you ever been working on something? It's, you know, you're getting some progress, but then somebody else comes along to help you and support you. And ho, 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 this took not as long as it would by myself. Two are better than one. We all agree with that, right? Next verse in, in 10, it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and there is no one to lift him up. Woe to him. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means I feel bad for you if you don't have people around you. If you're alone, I feel bad for you. If you don't have a church family, I feel bad for you. If you don't have brothers and sisters in Christ that can lift you up, I feel bad for you. Because when you fall, there's nobody there to pick you up. Listen, if you haven't found this already, there's going to be a moment in your life where you will need somebody to lift you up. There's going to be a moment in your life where you will need somebody to support you in what you're going through. You say, well, I just need God to do that. Okay, well, how about this? He already said two are better than one. It reminds me of this story. Uh, it's actually, uh, it, it's right before all of this that we just started reading about. It's in Mark chapter 2. And it's in this whole, this whole thing. In the same town, all this is happening. And if you aren't familiar with the story, it's, it's the one of the paralyzed man. And there's a lot of paralyzed man. But this is the story that's so cool. These guys, there's this guy who is paralyzed and he had no way by himself. He's paralyzed. And there's crowds. I told you about the crowds. There's crowds everywhere. There's no way. Even Jesus' family couldn't get in. But this man's paralyzed and he needs God, just like we need God. But he needs some friends to help him get there. So he has these four friends who lift him up and support him. And they go over to where Jesus is in this house, and they dig a stinking hole in the roof and lower their friends down to Jesus because they're like, I don't need the miracle. He does, but I want to be a part of it. Come on. I want to be a part of a miracle, don't you? I want to be the one. I don't want to be just asking for miracles. I want to be a part of a miracle. And when we're in this, look, because oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't care. It is better to give than it is to receive. And a lot of people say all the time, they're like, how does that make sense? It doesn't unless you're a Christian. It's a supernatural, upside-down thing. And these guys got it. I happen to think that these guys who lowered their friend down, I, have to, I think that they just had about the best day ever. Why? Because when this happens, let me get it. When this is happening, he's preaching the, world, uh, he's preaching the word to them, and, he, and they lower him down. It says in Mark 2, 4, that they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof. They lowered the man down the mat right in front of Jesus. Now, right here in verse 5, seeing their faith. 
Their faith, those four dudes who lifted him up, seeing their faith, he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. And then we know he comes to heal them, which ticked off the Pharisees. They, he's not only healing them, but also he's also forgiving them of their sins. This man could not do it alone. He needed the support of his friends. He needed believers. He needed family. He needed people to support him. And there are far too many Christians who have believed the lie that they do not need support from their spiritual family. Far too many. Far too many. People, I can do it on my own. All I need is Jesus. Listen, that paralyzed man needed Jesus. We can all agree with that. But he needed his family to help him get there. Listen, <laughs> there's certain things that you can pray and pray for the Lord to take away. That can happen. But there's other things that you need a family of believers to support you in. Because not everything is a demon, right? Not everything is... We all, okay, we'll get, okay. But here's my question. If, if you've already understood that it's good to have that, which it sounds like you have, my question for us this morning is who are you supporting? Who are you lifting up? Who are you digging a hole in a roof for? Because I can promise you this, if you're not doing that, you're missing out on that blessing that those men had. It's a blessing to support your brothers and sisters in the family. Those dudes who did this were crazy. They were wild, but they played a part. Scripture tells us, again, that Jesus was so moved by their faith. He was moved by their faith. Why can't we do that for others? I want to just take a moment. I feel, uh, I feel like I need to do this. Um, I want to talk to the men in the house. Because men, if you're not supporting and being supported in the body of Christ, you're missing it. I love you. I love you. But if you think, I don't need to talk about it. See, sometimes when I take guys out to, to, to lunch or I hang out with guys, I just listen to them talk because they never get to. <laughs> and I don't say anything because they're like, oh, this is different. I get to say things and you're not coming back. Not with everybody, but for a lot of people, that's the way it is. And I want to say, guys, you have a vital role not just in your nuclear family, but also in the family of God. And the two go together. There was a Barna study that was just done recently, and this just wrecked me. And ladies, I don't mean this to discourage you in any way. I really hope it doesn't discourage you. That's not, that's not why I'm saying this. I'm doing this for, for your husband, for, for the man in your life. who, who Listen, if a, if a mother comes to Christ first, there is a 17% chance that her family will follow her in the footsteps. That's not to discourage you, but listen, guys, guys, listen. If a father, if a father comes to the Lord, 93% chance, come on, 93% chance that his family will follow in the footsteps. So fathers, it matters. You're like, dude, it's not even Father's Day. What is he doing? It matters. It matters that you tell your kids what the priorities are, that we will be a part of that family. Our family is a part of that family. I will support and be supported in that family. It matters, dads, to tell your kids, we're going to church today. 
it's Sunday, we're going to church, and it's important for them to see you, and you're like, I'm screwed up. Okay, that's fine, but don't give up. Don't give up on the family. Don't give up on the Lord. Because if you got your kids already asking you, Daddy, are we going to church today? You've already backslidden. Obviously, if it's Sunday, if it's Monday or Tuesday, that's just because your kids are kids. I get it. Listen, my family's right now on, on a trip right now. And we have things come up, right? My, I got like half of my friends right now are on a camping expedition without me. And all these, you know, all these things are happening. My family's in Myrtle Beach and all this stuff is going on. I get that. You get sick, all that kind of stuff. But the priority is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care if you don't want to go till you're 18 and you're out of the house. You're coming with me. Come on, dads. Let's support. Women, you support awesome too. And I got to just say, for these guys, these four guys, I don't know. But to me, it's a miracle that it was four men. It was four men. It wasn't four ladies. You guys would have been like, Okay, we can't get through. Okay, let's lay hands. Oh, we're going to pray for him right now. <laughs> and it probably would have happened, and he would have saw your faith, right? But I think it's incredible that it's four men. Who are you supporting? Because you're missing out on the blessing. There was a crowd. I want to point this out. There was a crowd, but these men were not part of the crowd. They were part of the family of God because they supported their friend and they believed in the Lord. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. All right, next one, and this one's going to take us the rest of our time. Family challenges. <laughs> family challenges. There's two ways you can look at this. The first one is a good challenge, like a good challenge, like, I challenge you to be a better spouse. Or like I'm doing now, I'm challenging you to be a better, be a better man or woman of God, right? I, that's a challenge. Or there's the other challenge, which is, that guy is such a challenge to work with. Oh, my gosh. There's that one, like, oh, he is such a challenge. He's driving me crazy. And which one do I mean? Do I mean the positive one or the little bit? Here's what I mean. Here's which one. Um, yes. Yes, both. And can I be honest? Both are beneficial. Oh, oh somebody didn't want to hear that. <laughs> you know how families work in the natural. Come on. If any of you guys got the perfect family, I want to meet them, okay? I want to meet how that's going. I mean, I've met people who are, you know, like they, they, they got all the money in the world, they go to church, and their family is still just as screwed up as mine. I'm a pastor, and my family is just as screwed up as yours. So what do you mean? How about this? Parents in the room, do your kids challenge you in either of these ways? Can I get an amen? Okay, there we go. Children. Do your parents challenge you in either of these ways? Not a lot of hands went up. They're scared. They're scared. <laughs> They're like, dude, you just told my dad he had to stand up and support us. I'm not raising my hand right now. How about this? Siblings in the room. Have you ever felt like your siblings have challenged you in one of these ways? <laughs> 
Parents, I know that there's times where your children challenge you and you're thinking, what in the world is wrong with you? Do you have a brain? Does it work? All the things I've taught you and you still do, like, am I wrong? And to be honest, there's other moments in your life where you're like, well, your child is challenging you, like my child did once was, Dad, do you really need two bowls of ice cream? But that didn't happen this week because they're not here. <laughs> and there's moments in your family life where your, your siblings in your family life annoy you to no end to the point where you're biting and pinching and pulling their hair. I know because I live with three of those. The sisters, they do that. But there's also times where your sibling can be one of the greatest and most wonderful challengers and supporters in your life. I want to submit to you that this morning that both of these challenges are beneficial. But I want to look at this, this passage in Proverbs to see the example. You've probably heard it a million times. You've probably heard it. And I just want to look at it afresh today because I feel like this is part of it. It's Proverbs 27:17. It says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." I think there's been a tendency to misrepresent this proverb because I think most of us think about it in, in like today's modern times of how you sharpen iron. So a lot of times guys just say this or gals look at this and they're like, oh yeah, tough love. That's what that is. Tough love. And I saw it all throughout COVID because the idea was that if you can take like a, this is the idea we have is sharpening. Like I have this, uh, I have the, what, what is it? A sharp, what, a grinder. Thank you. I have this grinder at my house that I dug out of a ditch somewhere and it works. Um, and, I, and that's how I, you know, I take the blade and I put it on there and I grind it into what I want it to be. But what this is speaking of is an ancient principle, an ancient way of doing this, and it's iron and iron. Not one steady the, trying to make the other one, but both of them sharpening one another at the same time. See, in COVID, what we had was we had the grinder principle where it's just like, you aren't going to believe in me? Well, I believe. If you don't believe what I'm going to believe, I'm going to make you believe what I believe because, because iron sharpens iron. That don't work. And that's not what this is about. That's not what the family is about. It's about there's this friction that happens. And you all know what friction is in the body of Christ. Because just as I talked about your natural family challenging you in both of those ways, how different is it? for the family of God. I just want to close with this. Bridget, you can come up if you can. I, um, I had these, these different ideas of how to close this, and I just want to be led by the Lord, and I don't think there's anything I can do to get away from this. If you turn with me real quick to 1 John. 1 John 1. Turn with me because I believe that the Lord is trying to show us something in this. This is a this is I'm gonna start this off with people love to hear this first part. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, amen, right? I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. Do you want to walk in the light as he is in the light? Amen. Here's how. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim not to be, if we claim to be without sin, Mary Poppins, right? Then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I want to walk in the light as he in the light. How do I do that? Have fellowship with you. Now, for some of you who are like, ah, you're taking that out of context. Okay, let's just go over a few more verses over to 1 John 2, 9. Just right over there. It's right over there. Read that. This is what he's, he's explaining now. He's telling us even further. John's telling us, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister and lives in the light. How do you walk in the light? Through fellowship with one another. And there is nothing that can make them stumble. Amen. That's where that Ecclesiastes 2 is better than 1. Woe to those who have no one because when they fall, they will not be able to get back up again. But here we're seeing, how do we walk in the light? Well, I want to walk in the light through fellowship with one another. But anyone who hates a brother or sister in the darkness and walks around in walks around in the darkness, they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded him. I'm going to tell you right now, there are so many people in this world, so many people who say, I don't like the church because the church is screwed up. They're like, I don't want anything to do with it. And they throw out everything out of the out of there. Here's what can I tell you this? The church sucks because people suck. I'm going to be honest and real. And as long as you're a part of a church, it's going to suck because you're a person. So if you're a person, I stink and you stink and we all stink and we're all together trying to look to the one who does not stink, then we're going to screw up at times. But what do we all got to do? We all got to be in fellowship with one another, looking to him, lifting each other up, challenging each other, encouraging one another. Well, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for anyone that's in this place who has has lowered has lowered the importance of family of God. Anybody who's watching online right now that is struggling with this because they maybe you have church hurt. Listen, I know that the Lord wants to be there for you in church hurt, but could it be? Could it be that the family of God is going to help you walk through that church hurt even from other people who have brought it? I know there are people in this room, Lord, that are that are struggling with joining a small group or joining something in the fall because they've been hurt before. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you give them the grace that you have given to them for others. Lord, give me the grace for when someone has some friction to me and it's negative or they say something hurtful. Lord, give me the grace to see that you have forgiven me of so much that I can forgive them. 
And like we always say, forgiveness is not saying what that person did was right. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let that hold me back anymore. And if you're at the stage of life where you're not coming to church, you're not in a small group, you're not doing any kind of thing with the body of Christ, then that shows you already that the forgiveness has not been settled. The forgiveness needs to be settled and you have to walk in it daily. And for some of you, you need to put your, your, the words into action and start going to church because then you're walking in forgiveness. Start rubbing arms with people. Start talking with people. Some of y'all just need to stay here about 10 minutes longer than you normally do and build some relationships with, with some people. Because there is a benefit in being in the family of God. Yes, they're going to annoy you like your little brother. Yes, they're going to challenge you in ways that you probably don't always want to be challenged. But the truth is, is that we're all moving forward together. And woe is the person who is by themselves. Woe is the lone ranger who is by himself. Lord, I, I was just thinking this week of this thing that Pat Bracca just told me about recently. It's this idea of stolen valor. And this, this, there's people in this world, for those who don't know, there's people in this world who literally fake and pretend to be military veterans so that they can get a benefit, so that they can get the credit, so they can look good on the outside, but they've never done the sacrifice. They've never done the work. They've never rubbed shoulders with people. They've never had to sacrifice or put their life on the line. It's called stolen valor. But I think there's too many Christians, Lord, too many Christians who are saying I'm a Christian, but not in church, saying they're a Christian, but too far away from the other people, saying they're a Christian, but they're so far and so gone. Lord, I pray that you start bringing them in. And if that's you this morning, whether you're here in person or online, you've said yes to Jesus, but maybe you've neglected the family. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, would you come right now? Would you heal the things that are in them that make them want to stay at home? The things that make them want to stay and try to get away from all the pain or try to get away from all the things that they think could happen. And I say right now in the name of Jesus, I command the enemy and his lies to leave in the name of Jesus. I, I pray right now, Lord, that instead of a wound that has not been healed, that Lord, right now you will bring them into the body of Christ, whether that's here or somewhere else, Lord, that you will bring them into the body of Christ and that they will be healed from those hurts and those pains. And Lord, for those who are just like, sometimes we're just bullheaded. Sometimes we're just too strong. Lord, I pray for those people who think they can do it on their own. And right now, God, I pray that they would realize that they need family. And lastly, Lord, lastly, if, they, if there's anyone in this room right now, listen, I told you before, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior. As I told you earlier, what did, what, did God, what did Jesus say the will of the Father was? The will of the Father is that you will believe in him, that you will commit your life to him. That is the will of the Father. And through that, you can be adopted as a son and a daughter right now. You can be adopted and you can get the benefits of the challenging. You can get the benefits of not being alone. You can get the benefits of being supportive. And you can do all those things to others as well. Not to mention, they will be all partying together in heaven one day. But right here on earth, 
I am so focused on my mission and my plan. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I promise you he's got a plan for you, your life. I promise you he's got a mission for you to do. You say, no, what could I do? What could I bring? He says, so much because I created you. I know every hair on your head. I feel like the Lord right now is just speaking to someone. I know you better than you know yourself. And I feel like the Lord is saying to someone here, I brought you on this day specifically so you could hear this because you can't do it alone. Some of you are facing situations where you feel like you're alone. Get into the family of Christ. So I'm going to give you that opportunity to do that right now. All you have to do is just repeat after me. Let's do it all together in the room. Can we do that? Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe that you have sent your son to die for me and that he rose from the grave on the third day. Jesus, I want you to be the king of my heart. Help me, Lord. And use your family to help me. I love you. Jesus' name. Amen. He has, he has, listen, He has forgiven you of all your sins. If you've prayed that prayer and you believe that in your life, all the things you've done, you just got to believe in Him, follow through with what He's doing, and do, listen, this morning, I just want to say this in closing. If a doctor gives you a prescription for something, you take it if you want to get better. If you have an infection, the doctor will prescribe you something. The Lord has prescribed us family, spiritual family. Let's take it. Let's take it.